Well, good morning, uh, everyone. My name is, is Josh, uh, and it's a great pleasure to be able to come and share with you this morning. Welcome to the first Sunday um, of Lent, a time of preparation for Easter. And this um, series that we're going to look at is two chapters in John's Gospel that took place the night before Jesus' death. And the disciples are questioning Jesus. They're saying, what's going on? Things seem a bit of a mess. And I think that we will find some of the questions that the disciples ask when they're in a tough time will really resonate with you and I. Uh, Now we are in a bit of a tough time as well. And Jesus speaks uh, and acts in surprising ways. But as we delve a little bit deeper, I think we'll also find them deeply encouraging ways too. Today's question is, are you my servant? Or as the passage puts it, Lord... Are you going to wash my feet? Peter, one of the disciples, is asking about foot washing, but the real question that he's trying to get to the bottom of is Jesus, Messiah, washing his feet. And so the question we're saying is, are you my servant? And we're looking at questions asked when people came face to face with Jesus. And I wonder what questions you and I would ask if we found ourselves face to face with Jesus. Why this? Why that? What about this? What about that? Why COVID? Whatever it might be. And um, recently, I've tried to stop doing this a little bit, but especially um, at the start of sort of March, I find myself on BBC News all of the time. I became the embodiment of what has now been referred to as a doom scroller, which is somebody who looks through all of the BBC News, reading everything there is, and worrying about all of it. And I've tried to stop doing that, and I think I've got a lot better at not doing that. But what I do look at fairly regularly is the BBC Sport app. Um, And last summer, I saw something on the BBC Sport app that I thought was really, really cool. It made national news, and rightfully so, as 23-year-old footballer Marcus Rashford managed to get the government to do a U-turn on school food voucher provision. And when I read about this, like many of us, I'm sure, I was really encouraged. I thought, that's brilliant. I was really pleased. But as I stepped back from it, frankly, I was a little bit surprised. It's not very often that a young football star makes this kind of news. It's clearly noteworthy, but I also think it's a little bit counter-norm. This isn't a role that you would normally see played by a young footballer. Now, this passage is an extraordinary moment, an unexpected change in role, or at least that's how it seems at first glance, and that's why we need to delve. Is Jesus, the saviour of the world, taking the place of a servant? Doing one of the worst jobs there was? Surely not. But actually, this story is even more amazing than the policy changes that Marcus made happen. In fact, there really is, as we look at it, no equivalent to Jesus anyway. But this act that we read about has ramifications beyond dirty toes and tired feet. This is an echo of what's to come, an echo that shouts to eternity. So before we carry on, I think it will be important to look through this passage and ask the question, who is Jesus? So the first thing I want to say that Jesus is, is he is reliant. He is connected to God. We read in verse 1, Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave and go to the Father. Verse 3, he's come from God and he's returning to God. Jesus is connected to God and therefore he is reliant on God. And we also see that he is dependent even more than he is connected. Uh, Later on at the end of the passage we had read just a minute ago, very truly I tell you, verse 16, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Jesus is totally reliant on the Father. 
The next thing I think we see is that Jesus is rooted. He has a total understanding of his deity and mission. He, he knew. He was rooted in the plan that God had set out for him, and he was unwavering in it. That he had come from God and was returning to God. The disciples call him Lord, and he agrees. He says in verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. His purpose and his status doesn't stop his service. All-powerful. We know that Jesus is rooted in the truth that he is all-powerful. He knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He knew who he was, and he knew what that meant. And because Jesus was reliant, and because he was rooted, he was able to be radical, and radical in the way that he served others. Who he is leads to what he does in this passage and in general. And so let's look at the third R. Jesus is radical. He's radical in what he does. He's radical in the way that he loves. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. No blemish. Perfect life lived. We know that he was humble. He washed feet. He made himself lower. A simple, humbling, serving act that shouts to something bigger. The radical nature of this moment led Peter to question it, and maybe us to question it too today. Verse 4 starts like this. It says, so he got up from the meal, took off his eyes clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water from a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Hold on. He washes feet. Did we not just read the list of who he is? He's all-powerful. He's God. And yet, in this insane moment, it seems that he's going against cultural norms, which he is, that's to say the least, but it also seems like it shouldn't really be happening. We, we might expect verse 4 to start, if we're thinking logically, with a, and despite the fact that he was God, he. Or maybe we start with, even though he was God, he still did the servant thing, but instead, verse 4 starts with, so... This speaks to it being the very nature of God. His purpose was clear. His service didn't and doesn't diminish his status, and his status did not stop his service. Jesus was so secure in who he is, so secure in who he was, that cultural norms and perception didn't matter. It didn't seem to pinch at all. So what did he do? Jesus literally came below his disciples' feet in order to dignify and cleanse them. He is doing on earth for his disciples what he has always done for all eternity. The so shows us that it's the nature of who God is, his heart to serve you and to serve me. It's radical. Jesus then knows he has a mission and he points to it with his disciples. It's more than just about dirty feet. It's an echo. It's an echo again, an echo of the cross, pointing to the radical act of sacrifice that was to come. Jesus, in verse 7, Jesus replied, do you, not, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Verse 1 reminds us that it's the Passover festival. He knew the hour was come for him to, to leave. Jesus knows he's the Passover lamb, and he knows he's going to leave via the cross. And that makes this an even more poignant and radical moment. Jesus knows the core of what we need is connection with God. And like I say, this is a radical moment already, but when you know that Jesus knew what he knew, it's almost even more radical. It, it, we read that 
He knows that not everyone will be, he knows that one of them in that room is going to betray him. And he does it anyway. This is radical love. And we could go from here, and I hope we do, with a better knowledge of who Jesus is. We could stop right now and know that Jesus was relying on God and he did it really well. He was rooted and he was radical. And we could go in that, but, but the question we really should be asking ourselves now, if that's who Jesus is, how does that change my tomorrow? How does that make it look different tomorrow? And who Jesus is and what he does informs and provides the foundation for who we are and what we can and should do. I hope we are comforted today by who Jesus is. But I also hope that we, there's something in our spirits that is disturbed within us to do something about who this amazing person is who wants to know me and wants to know you and we want to do something about it. So who am I? And what should I do now? This is a picture, um, somebody called Chris in our congregation. He's a friend of mine. He's part of HTC. He's a local artist. And he drew a picture depicting this story. And I think um, you see the disciples' face is probably feeling how maybe we would, a little bit shocked, depicting Peter and the moment where Jesus is about to wash his feet. I don't know about you, but I often respond wrong. My first go is rarely my best And I love Peter. Peter gives me hope. Peter starts, as Peter often does, by going gun-ho and getting it wrong, not understanding what Jesus was doing and maybe worrying about how it would look. Maybe Peter was caught trying to agree, agree with what William Temple writes about this passage. It says this, So man's humility shows itself by being willing to receive service from our fellow men and supremely from God. Maybe in this moment, Peter couldn't handle his leader serving him. He didn't stop. Peter often does this. He didn't stop to take a minute and realize that Jesus might know what he's doing. Verse 6 reads, he said to Simon Peter, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Pete, come on. This is the Son of God here. Maybe don't argue. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Panic. It's a panic moment for Peter. But credit him here, because he does a very quick U-turn. He's like, okay, cool. Well, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it properly. Verse 9. Then Lord Simon Peter replies, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Here Jesus says to Peter, you can't do it without me. On the cross, Jesus says to the world, to you and to me, you cannot do it without me. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. We're often so good at being self-sufficient. So it pinches, doesn't it? Unless I wash you, no part. Jesus was reliant on his Father and even more, we must learn to rely on Jesus, to realize our need for him to be dependent and to not waste the connection won for us on the cross. We look up. We look up to Jesus and we rely on him. It's our first way to respond. We realize that this echo of foot washing echoes to us now in the shape of a cross. The practical act of love from Jesus to his disciples is but a tiny picture of the all-encompassing love shown to us on the cross. Wash all of me says Peter. Bathe me in your love. 
Today, we can choose to be reliant, but maybe even more poignantly, we should choose to be rooted. Rooted in the love of Jesus. We look in at ourselves and we root ourselves in who Jesus says we are, not in who the world so often shouts that we might be. So we rely on Jesus. We root ourselves in him and now we make a decision today to live radically different lives because Jesus first lived a radically different life that changed everything for us. It's time for some of us to decide to be radically obedient to something God is calling us to do. Maybe something is coming into your mind or into your heart now that you know you need to be obedient in. Radical obedience means accepting the love that Jesus has for us and deciding to walk in a different way. We look out and live a radical life of humility and love. We're sent out. We read in verse 14, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Verse 17, we know that we're sent out. We know that we're equipped. Verse 15, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Identity to action. This is the basis to then go and do. But what can that lead to? How do we respond to this radically? Well, we, we keep humble. Does our perceived status or purpose stop us from serving. Jago said in our Connect Group session this last week, humbling leads to dependence on and increased confidence in God. Are we willing to say, today I am willing, humble enough to say, wash all of me, to admit that we need washing, to admit that we need Jesus. Also in the practical, do things run through our heads sometimes and say, I'm, you know, that's not my job. Actually, that's not something that I am willing to do. That's somebody else's job so are we keeping humble are we willing are we all in willing to stoop low to lift others up for God to enter the victory won on the cross verse 16 very truly I tell you no servant is greater than his master nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him spoiler alert this is not about you this is not about me it's about the victory won for us this is about obedience You might be thinking, what gifts could I possibly bring to HDC right now? And maybe in this season, we've been able to do some sort of online community and we've done that fairly well and we've been able to do content. In fact, there's more content available right now than probably ever before with so many churches moving online. But maybe what's been more difficult, and I know there are ways we can contribute, but to contribute, to use our gifts. But I want to encourage you that as you think about how you can serve, it's a daily thing, but it's also how can you serve as we do come into this next season? Maybe you want to be on the kids' team or whatever it might be, but, but ask God, how are you wanting me to serve? I acknowledge it's a little bit more difficult at the moment. We're called to daily take up our cross. Verse 12, when he finished washing their feet, he put his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. And I think that that question, when he's answering, he's saying all the stuff that we've already said in this message. But I also wonder whether he picked this act because it was an act that would have had to be done multiple times a day by a servant. It would have happened all of the time because their feet would have got very dirty in, in those days. And so it's an, it's an ongoing thing. And I wonder whether there's a side point here for us to say that the way that we respond to this isn't a one-off. It is about living a a radical life in every decision that we do. 
as we come close to the end of, of this message, lots of us maybe, maybe we do actually feel pretty sorted in our bubbles at the moment. Maybe the dirty feet of Palestine is a world away. But there is something about the intimacy of the, this story that is confronting. Jesus interrupted the norm. Are you willing to interrupt yours to love and humble yourself radically? Will it pinch? I kind of hope so. Maybe we have fears, reservations, that maybe we even have excuses. I want to say today, don't worry about missing your calling. Focus on the one who calls you. Don't let your status, perceived or otherwise, stop your serving. Don't let worries of, on perception stop progress in doing what really matters, in taking a knee and serving each other. Calling and gifting is not gone or hidden when we put others before ourselves. Are we doing that? We're shown the way by Jesus and we're challenged to do it ourselves. So today, let's choose to run after the right thing, to run after Jesus. Let's say sorry. Let's say please. Let's say help me, Jesus. The table is going to come up on the screen now to just summarize what it is that we've said today. Jesus is reliant, he's rooted, and he's radical. I, you can say that for yourself, have the perfect example in Jesus. I'm completely loved, and I'm equipped and sent out by Jesus. So I look up and rely on him. I look in and root myself in Jesus, and I look out and live a radical life of humility and love. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them.